Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops with Vlad Moldovano. Explore our other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Cavalier Central, Knock If You Buck, Risen Grind, 305 Culture, Hashtag Lakers Blazing the Path, and X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network as well, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Welcome to episode three of the Motor City Hoops Podcast. Today, we add another co-host, Alex Olach, a Northwestern alum and current pro in Europe. Welcome, Alex. Today... We'll talk about Killian Hayes and his role on this team, D. Rose and his approach this season, which I've been very impressed with, Blake Griffin, and Troy Weaver's love for centers. We'll also try to bring you the latest news from training camp we started today, which is December 5th. All right, now let's start with Killian Hayes. Bryce, as we talked about in the second episode, Killian Hayes, he's going to be our starting point guard. And uh, it was expected for us. You know, if, if he's the future of the franchise, we... We expect him to to play a lot, to handle the ball a lot, and create a lot, a lot of offense. What I was most impressed with, uh, Coach Casey said today, in uh, in one of his quotes from from uh, from the media after after practice, after the first official practice as a team, that Killian Hayes had about like three or four blocks, which is pretty unheard of from from a guard, especially from a point guard. And I was also impressed because that plays with exactly in the hands of what they've been trying to build this offseason, which is defense, length, athleticism. Bryce, what's your thoughts on Killian now? Yeah, I mean, I saw that same quote that you saw about Killian with the defense and the blocks. And my first thought was exactly what you just said, Vlad, that this team wants to be a defensive-minded team first. And so if Killian's guarding people and blocking shots at the point guard position, then then he's going to fit right into what Coach Casey and, and the view of this team, the vision of this team. I also saw a quote where he said, uh, you know, he's not your typical rookie. So they feel like maybe the there's still a learning curve for all rookies, but he maybe has done a, is closer than your typical rookie. You mentioned in the opening about Derrick Rose that he is a willing mentor and Killian and him meet after practice and they spend a lot of time together. And I think that's huge. That's going to be huge for Killian's development. I think that's also huge for Derrick Rose's, uh, his role on this team. So if he's going to be coming off the bench, if he's willing to mentor these young guys, I think that's going to be huge. So it, it's exciting to hear this. You know, you want your number seven pick to start from day one and for the franchise to, and the fan base to see him play and hopefully develop into the superstar that we need him to be. Well, we talked about this, Bryce, on the you know last episode about the expectations from Hayes. And uh, from my point of view, it's very tough. We cannot compare him to Luka, right? Doncic, yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he played EuroLeague. And for those that listen to this, EuroLeague is the second best league outside of the NBA. He was the MVP of that league at 18 years old. You know, Killian 
he's played for a good team in Germany, but we, we cannot really compare those two teams. So I don't want you know the Pistons fans to have unreal expectations from Hayes because that can you know that can that can back back trigger for him. And we want him to succeed. I think we want this this franchise to be put on his shoulders. So I think he's ahead of the curve of most rookies. But I hope that a lot of the Pistons fans are not gonna expect Luka Doncic numbers because that's very unreal. I think, and also that Luka, if he stays healthy, I can see him being the greatest European player to ever play the game. He's Absolutely. Luca's on a trajectory. That Luca's on a different trajectory. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? Like, don't you? I mean, that that's not fair for anybody coming from overseas. Absolutely, it's not fair. But uh, he, just like Luca, he already played against grown men, uh, and that's already an advantage for any rookie coming in the NBA. Uh, the experience you get from playing top leagues like in Germany, it's invaluable. And uh, Killian, it, it's. I believe, from my point of view, he's going to do a great job. Um, like we already said on his quotes, he's a great defender. He's blocking shots, which is you know unusual. And you want it in a team to have a top point guard that runs the team on offense and plays good defense. He's going to be the engine of this team, you know, setting a tone at the top, and then maybe uh, the other guys will follow. The point guard is the leader of the team, and I think he will take on the role especially because he's going to have a mentor like Derrick Rose. Absolutely. And now with Derrick Rose, uh, Bryce, Alex, I was very impressed. I, I watched the whole video of, of uh, his media day availability, you know, about 30 minutes long. Any Pistons fan should watch it because I came in this podcast, first episode, second episode. I was like, we, we need to trade Derrick Rose. We need to trade <laughs> yep, Blake Griffin. Yep. And now I'm like, well, these guys need leadership. And then I see Wayne Ellington saying, well, yeah, I want to come to Detroit because, you know, they have only a few veterans. They need leadership. They need mentorship. So these three guys right here, I have a lot of respect for them, first of all, because they're accepting these roles. And we, we've seen players in the past not accepting these mentorship roles. It's, they still want to be that that guy. And to me, that was I was very impressed about D Rose. Uh, he was very realistic. He was very humble, and he understood that his role on his team is to help Killian Hayes. Which meant he even said it. He's like, I need to pressure him in practice, so he gets comfortable with this NBA type ball pressure. I need to, you know, kill him in practice so he gets used to this. So his approach was, oh, I'm not coming to just you know get my 20 minutes, get you know 15 a game get my stats up. I'm in a contract year. You know, his approach is very different, you know. So to me that's that's just a lot about Derrick Rose mentality right there. And I'm reluctant when I you know, if you ask me do you want to get rid of Derrick Rose? I don't think it's worth like a second you know, second round pick or like what can you get for him right now anyways? You might as well just keep him to mentor Killian Hayes for the whole year. Yeah, I mean I I think that's very true with with Derrick Rose is I think I saw somebody, um, I'm still in somebody else's idea, but they feel like Derrick Rose is very comfortable with where he's at in his NBA career at this point, you know, and that's, that's very important for somebody to be comfortable with where they're at. He's, he understands who he is, what he can do, and he wants to mentor this young point guard, and that's invaluable for the Pistons. Uh, the, the, the argument would be, wh- what is he going to do after this year, though? Vlad, Alex, like, is he worth keeping for the whole year if he's just going to leave in free agency? Because it's it's not like the NFL where you get com- 
you know, comp, comp, comp picks whenever a free agent leaves. He just leaves and we get nothing. So if he'll re-sign with the Pistons, is he worth it? Maybe. But if he's not going to, I think you still have to look at flipping him come the trade deadline. Yeah, it's a tough decision. It's a tough decision. But um, if he accepts this role to mentor uh, Hayes and he's going to do a really good job because, you know, he was MVP. He knows he's been in the league for a long time and he knows how everything runs. Um, but, you know, the older you get, and like Vlad mentioned, you need some veterans on the team to show you the way. Some veterans might show you the way on the court. Like, this is how you need to play, play as hard as me and stuff like that. But I feel like now Derek Rose is going to be more like the coach in the year, you know, in, in the year, just saying like, hey, uh, you got to play harder, push him in practice. That's maybe the toughest one because uh, in practice you get better and games and practice are not usually the same, but the more Derrick Rose is on him, uh, Hayes is going to get better and better. And keeping Derrick Rose on the team, I, I think they should do it. Uh, he still had great numbers last year, so it's not like he's not going to play anymore at all. He can still come in off the bench and gives, give you great minutes. The only thing that I, I did like about Derrick Rose, actually, when he said about him being a dinosaur at 6'3", I was <laughs> yes. looking over the roster. I was looking over the roster. He's the smallest dude. Realized. He's the I smallest. Know, right? like, <laughs> smallest player on the team is 6'3". Oh, my God. It's crazy because I started looking at the rosters and I was like, yeah. And then you see this trend where it's like everybody's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, up to like seven feet. It's, it, it just, it's, and it's crazy to me because – I think Derrick Rose can be very good coming off the bench for this team, in uh, in the ball pressure that Casey wants, you know that the, the defensive, and and he can also just push the ball up like with the second unit, right? And it depends because, you know, like Casey said today, you know there is a fight for that shooting our position, so it's going to be very interesting, you know, who matches up with Hayes on the floor, because we talked about that. I like the killing Hayes, Delon Wright combination. And then maybe you bring Derrick Rose with his V or Ellington who can bring shooting and Derrick Rose can create more off that. Whereas, you know, Hayes and Delon Wright can, you know, maybe speed up the tempo a little bit. And I think that's going to be very interesting how they pair up, you know, the point guard with the shooting guard. Bryce, what are your, th- what are your thoughts on that one? I just think that the, the, I think the thing I like the most about this roster is the fact they have so much uh, lineup flexibility. There's so many combinations you can put on the floor together that I really, really like that about what Troy Weaver has compiled with this roster. And you brought this up last episode and and we're all living through it right now. Everybody, you brought up the COVID part of this season. You know, when are we gonna lose three of these guys to positive tests or contact tracing or whatever? So the fact that we have you know, 10, 11 guys that could be in the rotation and multiple of those guys can play multiple positions is huge um, to have that flexibility on a, a game in, game out basis. And all those guards can play, a lot of those guards can play on the ball or at the two, at the two or the three. Absolutely. And since you brought COVID again, I think it's, mentioned, uh, it's worth mentioning both Alex and I, we've, we've had overseas and uh, our teams have been through it. And I'll let Alex talk first about this. Alex, you know, what was your experience with COVID? And how did you go, how, how'd you go from, you know, 
the isolation to getting back in shape. What was that process like for you? Because that way I think our listeners can understand how hard it's going to be for these NBA guys. That is not only you're missing seven days, you're missing eight days, 10 days of being in isolation, but you're also going to take another, you know, seven, 10, 12 days to get back into some kind exactly. of playing shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's tough, man. It's tough, especially in my case. Um, you actually got to play uh, some official games. I did not. I got COVID right before the, the start of the cup. Um, and, you know, I did not play for eight months any official game. So it's been a while. And just when I got this uh, news that I got tested positive, it just hit me hard. Um, I knew I was going to have to sit two weeks. And uh, the, the most challenging part was, you know, just not obviously not being able to play, but how can you stay in shape? Uh, I tried to do some stuff at home, but they were telling me you should not do anything uh, just to wait and see how what the symptoms are, if it gets worse or whatever. Um, but, you know, you're, you're in your apartment and you just sit around and it's not just hitting you uh, on the body, but mentally, like, how do you prepare? Because you know you have to come back to work and you have to get back in shape. I had a great probably the best preseason I ever had uh, in my career. And when this hit, it just, I'm like, I cannot believe this happened. <laughs> now I have, now I'm losing all the preseason shit and I have to get back in two weeks. Two weeks might not be a lot, but just sitting around, it's a lot, a lot worse. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think I was looking at, you know, the Blazers, they start camp today and they close the facility already because I think they had three cases, three positive cases or... And in that situation, it's so tough. I mean, how are the Blaze gonna start a season? Because you know, our we we play the the tenth, right? And that's the Pistons' first preseason game, the tenth. You know, how how are the Blaze gonna phase in that? Are they gonna be ready for it without really playing contact basketball as a, as a team? You know, guided by the coach. So it's, it's gonna play. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be a lot of chemistry. Exactly. You know, these, th- these teams are going to be based on chemistry more than anything else because think about a lineup where we miss, you know, Blake Griffin, Killian Hayes. So the rose becomes that much more important. So I think the depth of, of, of this team, it's it's something we can piggyback on. You know, we have the Josh Jackson, which I think it was, it was a gamble and it was a good gamble by Troy Weaver. And he's been awarded with a two-year guarantee contract. We have Jeremy Grant. We have Sadiq Bey. You know, similar type players, I would say. Now, Coach Casey talking about Stewart today, where he compared him to <laughs> Kenneth Fareed. Let's now, go. What's his thought on that one, Brace? Yeah, I mean, if, if he's Kenneth Fareed, that's amazing. And <laughs> I told you last episode that I really like Isaiah Stewart. I love Isaiah Stewart's mentality. And I talked about this, where some people kind of are put off by some of his comments, maybe about how he would have destroyed guys and expose them at uh, you know draft workouts, but I love that. If you wanna succeed at the highest level, you gotta have that mentality and that confidence. I think Isaiah Stewart fits exactly what, and I know we wanna get into this. Alex Vlad, you guys are chomping at the bit to talk about the center comment from from, from <laughs> Troy Weaver. So, so, I mean, it makes sense why we traded four second round picks and Luke Kennard to draft him if that's who he thinks, if that's who they think he is, because rebounding is gonna be very important. I mean, it's very valuable to this team. They they really think it's important. My question would be, where do his minutes come from, though? Because 
They've talked highly of Jaleel Okafor. Obviously, they brought Plumlee in to play the five. Is Blake Griffin going to get some time at the five so Grant can get time at the four or Sekou can get time at the four? So I'm just interested to see how these minutes are going to play out. But that would be – I mean, if Isaiah Stewart turns into Kenneth Fareed, that's, that's a hit, obviously, on that draft pick. If he turns into Kenneth Fareed, he's going to take the minutes away from Okafor. Obviously, I think we can agree that Plumlee is the starting center. Um, and the other two are going to fight for minutes on the on the backup. Um, but Okafor, I think, has an advantage. He has more minutes now. But if the co- the quotes are true and he transforms into Kenneth Reed, I mean, I remember watching Kenneth Reed and he was like, what was his nickname? The Mamamo or Mab? It was, it was like he was an animal, right? I, I mean, he was running, rebounding, blocking shots, scoring, dunking. Um, and if Stewart is like that, it's, it's it's gonna be really good. Yeah, the manimal, yeah, the manimal, Alex. Yeah, the, the, manimal. The, the, the manimal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a chance to play with free one game, the the college all star game in twenty eleven, and it was amazing to watch him play. Just that one game to me, that was well, where that was, was that? At? Was that in the final four, Vlad? Yeah, it was at the final four. Uh, okay, my senior year, and. Um, it, it was stacked, but I just remember Fareed being a monster, and he was, he was my roommate too. And it's just his motor. His motor was the separation to to anything. Okay, he was athletic. Okay, he had this and that. But to me, the motor. And that's what I'm excited to see because Stewart seems to know he has that motor. Yeah. So that's one thing that I'm super excited about, you know, to watch him in this, you know, competitive league. And, uh, you know, to, to see that, is he going to become similar to like Clint Capella? You know, maybe not Kenneth Fareed. Like, what are the differences? Because it's they're so close together. Like Fareed, Capella. It's it just one little detail that separates them from Capella being where he's at right now compared to Fareed, for example. And that's going to be very interesting. And we talked about Stewart's shot. I say you Stewart like Stewart. Nice... You think he can turn into a shooter, right? I mean, I think he shoot. I don't know if he's going to be a knockdown shooter, but I think he he'll be able to shoot that mid range and the three point shot eventually. I don't know how soon that's going to be, but his form, his form is legit. It's it's not bad at all for a big man. He shot seventy seven percent from the free throw line, which is decent for a big man. And um, it's it's going to be very interesting. But now that we brought you know this love for centers. <laughs> Let's uh, <laughs> oh boy, there you oh go. We'll, we'll let Alex, we'll, uh, we'll let the center let's talk. Go, so Alex... Let's let Alex go first. I, I'm looking at I, I was looking at all of Alex's notes, and so I'm ready. I'm, I want to hear all this. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> well, man, uh, first of all, obviously, Trey Weaver said he loves centers, he, he believes that in order to uh, win games, you have to control the boards. Um, and uh, you know, as a center myself. First of all, I want to ask you guys, like, how can I sign up? How can I get on this roster? <laughs> I want to be on his team. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, so we're talking about centers. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA, how it changed, because it was NBA in the, in the back of the days, it was dominant. The centers were dominating everything. I mean, you had Shaq, you had, I, I, name, I can name all of them. Now we changed. Now we have more three-point shots. Now it's more dynamic. The pace is higher. So people or coaches are tending to go towards more athletic bigs uh, that can only rebound and block shots and protect the rim and stuff like that. So um, 
but Troy Weaver's love for, love for centers. Uh, I mean, you need, and I, obviously I'm being biased here, but you need <laughs> a center. You need a center on the team, right? There are some pros there that you you cannot miss from 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 your team. First of all, is rebounding. I mean, you, I'm looking at uh, Houston Rockets who played small ball last year. Yeah, you can have the best three point shots. You can you can sp- spread the floor, drive to the hoop, and stuff like that. But if you don't get a rebound, offensive or defensive, you don't get possessions. And if you don't get possessions, you cannot get shots up. So I feel like rebounding is a huge part, and you know the centers can do that really well. And especially if you play against a small ball team offensively, you can crush them. And I remember watching Anthony Davis. He was jo- he was just going at it and getting like four or five offensive rebounds per game against Houston Rockets, which was huge. Almost all of them were putbacks or n ones or fouls or whatever. And then second of all, um, you need rim protection. Uh, that's either you know on pick and roll defense or blocking shots when guys are driving in the lanes. Rudy Gobert is doing a great job about that. He obviously he won uh, all defensive. Uh, player of the year and stuff like that. So you need rim protection and a big guy can do that really well. Obviously, uh, some cons here on on rim protection is the pick and roll defense. Usually tall guys or big guys are slower. uh, And that's why you need maybe a smaller center to be able to move quickly or switch on pick and rolls and and stuff like that. Um, And then of course, on offense, because we talk about defense, but on offense, on pick and roll, you need a threat. When the big guy rolls in the paint, like somebody needs to come and help, right? If you switch, it's an automatic mismatch, either on the point guard or the big guy. And then when somebody rolls to the hoop, uh, there needs to be help, there needs to be a switch, or and then that creates a mismatch, and you know, it just creates this advantage for the team that you cannot get Otherwise. All right, so let me piggyback on this. I'm looking at the last five years of the NBA in top three rebounding. Only Giannis was able to sneak through it. Otherwise, it's been centers. And uh, now, Bryce, can we get Drummond back? Somebody call Andrew Drummond, please. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's what, is, there a, is there a better right. fit like between a GM and a player? No. Like, and, and <laughs> right. They missed by like four months, but like Troy right. Weaver would be so happy. <laughs> 15-16, Drummond, leading rebounder. 16-17, Hassan Whiteside. 17-18, Andre Drummond. 18-19, Andre Drummond. 19-20, Andre Drummond. And I'm looking at the top five right now in rebounding the last three years. Like I said, the only center, the only non-center that was able Giannis. to sneak in here is Giannis. And I mean, Giannis is a positionless player, so I'm not even going to... We can count him as a center, too. He plays the yeah. five every now and yeah. then. So. I mean, he's seven foot, so... <laughs> but I- I'm going back the last... You know, the last... Even up to... I mean, the, the last non-center to, to lead the re- lead in rebounding was Kevin Love in 2010-11. So that says a lot about centers and rebounding. I, I agree with that point. I love it. I have no problem with it. It's just, like I said, I'm a little bit surprised by Okafor. Is, is that? It's just. Is that a calculated gamble? That, that's the one that I doesn't said, make sense. I said, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like 
like Plumley makes sense. You've convinced me on Plumley that he's great in the pick and roll. Yes, and and, <laughs> and it's going to help Killian Hayes. And Plumley even said it. He he got a quote in his media day about being good in the pick and roll with Killian and all that. And I actually really like Isaiah Stewart. I'm more of a small ball type player, not to the extent of the Houston Rockets. Like that's a little to the extreme what they tried to do last year. But but Okafor doesn't make sense to me. And I guess my argument is yes, rebounding is great. Yes, defense is great. But when are we going to score the ball? How are we going to score the ball? And like that that's where that's where I have question marks with this team. And and I would like us to see a like where's the plan to get us a big time wing scorer or something like that. I don't have any problem with us loving centers. And I think Alex, you br- you brought up a good point when we were discussing before. Like, is this a recruitment pitch? Like, I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, uh, and yeah, I was thinking about this. Maybe this is a recruitment pitch to attract a top level all star center uh, on the team to work with maybe with Hayes. And bring this team to maybe a, a, to be a contender for an NBA championship. And then I pulled pulled up a list of centers. Yeah, I'm looking that, at your list right now. Yeah, so we have some superstars centers that are really good, and one of them are Joel Embiid, Embiid and then Nikola Jokic, right? I mean, we can both agree there are great players in the post, uh, pick and roll, pick and pop, which you know I think that's what makes them a superstar. If you can do both, play post up and shoot a three, you for sure, are going to be one of the best centers in the league. Do I need to tell you guys who's going to be a free agent next summer? Because it's going to be Andre Drummond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back with that bandwagon, baby. He ain't no, coming I, back. I, what, what, what do you think, Vlad? I don't know if you can see his list or not, but, like, I mean, are any of those guys at the top guys? I mean, Anthony Towns could possibly be on the move. All those other guys, probably not. I mean, it's going to have to be a free agent and it's going to have to be a player that wants to be here. I'm assuming we had a chance to get Dwight Howard and he didn't want to make the move for it. It's just, I don't know why. Um, But the other guys, I don't see him being making a move unless things just don't really go well in Philadelphia this year. Yeah, Jokic is going to stay there. Gobert is going to stay there. Towns, hmm. Bam is a lost cause right there. He's he's a great fit for the, the Heat, and I think he just got an extension too. I don't know. I'm looking at his list. You know, Clint, Clint Capella, he won the Hawks. I mean, honestly, you know, I, and I know that Coach Casey too built his roster in, in you know, with the Raptors, and he had Valanciunas at like a centerpiece, you know, at, at the five. And that's why I was just looking at the free agents coming up this summer. You know, it – is there a center that we might try to get? And I have uh, no idea, to be honest with you, because, you know, it is under drama Rudy Gobert. You know, Rudy Gobert seems to be a free agent next summer, and it's an unrestricted free agent. And they're both at about $25, 26000000 million right now. And I don't know if we can afford that with Blake, who has a player option at $35 million. You know, and... Maybe that move, Bryce, that you're talking about, just let's hope Blake plays well, no matter how good of a mentor he is for this roster, for this for these guys, and him embracing his role, I assume he's going to take that player option. So oh, he's yeah, he's taking that option. Next year. Uh, I mean, it's $35 million. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't? Yeah. Nope. yeah. <laughs> so. Blake, 
I, I, I think I'm convinced that Derrick Rose needs – we need to find a way to keep him on the team long-term. We've talked about this a little bit. But I'm still convinced that, that Blake Griffin is not in the long-term plans and needs – we need to play through Blake Griffin through 20 or 30 games and then see what we can get in a trade for him. And while we're talking about Blake Griffin, you brought this up with Kenneth, Far- Kenneth Farid, and you guys know this as professional basketball players. I don't think these guys get enough credit for how hard they work sometimes. You were talking about Kenneth Farid's work, work ethic – I know you were talking about Blake Griffin and his work ethic coming back from from in, injury. I saw that firsthand. We my senior year we opened up at Oklahoma and that dude is drenched in sweat when we walked into the gym getting a workout before the game and then gave us buckets. You know like 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 I don't think people understand how hard these dudes work. Like you guys are are finding time for this outside of practice and training and everything else. And I think sometimes people look at these guys and think that it just happens naturally. They don't get enough credit for how hard these guys work. Well, he's very resilient. I think Blake is very resilient. He's very motivated in general. Because if you look at his his track record, he's been injured a lot. Is he injury prone? Yes. Does he come back better from every single injury? That's a big yes. And the examples are right there. And if you look at his rookie year. He was rookie of the year after just one year of rehab. Yeah. You know, yep. he, he wasn't, you know, can he do it again? You know, can he keep doing this? You know, he's done it multiple times. He's come back better and better. And I think that he's expanded his game so much that a lot of people remember him as the athlete, you know, yes. the, the Blake Griffin from the Clippers that was catching lobs from Chris Paul, him and, DeAndre Jordan just dunking on everybody. All these highlights. You know, Mozgov is still top 10 over, over there. <laughs> and he should jumped be. On. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he should be. But now I'm looking at Blake Griffin's last He's year, skilled. last healthy year. I mean, we're talking about a guy that shot 37, 38% from three and averaged like 20 plus, 7 plus, and 5 plus. He can handle the ball. Alex, don't you think he's a skilled big man? Like, I mean, it's not like he's just an athlete. Exactly. Watching him at Clippers, he was just an athlete. I remember watching his games, and uh, I, was, I was in awe like everybody else. But I remember saying, like, this guy cannot shoot to save his life. And then <laughs> I see him, like, hitting threes and, like, mid-range shots. And stuff. I'm like, where did this come from? And this is all the work ethic you were talking about. And this is all happening in the summer. Or, obviously, he was injured. Uh, after he could walk on the court or run or whatever or shoot, he was working on those uh, shots every single day. I can promise you that. And that's that's what we see now is the result of that work he's putting in. And that's my theory with him is that after this contract expires, so this year so, and the next yeah. one, so 2022, after his player option, he's going to be seeked by a lot of championship-type teams. I can see him develop right now or he's developed, I'm sorry, but he's developing that Boris Diaw type player. Right now, he's still athletic enough, but when he loses that, he can be that Boris Diaw type player that was crucial for the San Antonio Spurs, and I can see him doing that for a contender. Now, unfortunately, I don't think we're on that timeline or that time frame, so for him to stay with us, as much as I love it, I'm a big fan of Blake Griffin's, as you guys wrote for my notes, but I don't... I don't feel like it's, it's it's beneficial for him or for us, honestly. And like Bryce said, I think Bryce you mentioned it. Like if we if he can stay healthy twenty games and we get a first round pick for him, that that would be a win win. Yeah, and, and I mean I just I can't see how a contender 
especially in the West, wouldn't want that. Because you guys are right. Here's one thing that's true about the NBA. Like, the Lakers just won playing big, right? The Lakers just won the NBA championship, and I know they have LeBron James. Like, that changes everything. But with LeBron at the three, AD at the four, and Dwight at the five a lot of times. Like, they just won not playing small. So why would a team in the West that's going to compete – I think Blake Griffin would be a great get for somebody that's in the top four over there that can, you know, add Blake Griffin to help guard AD or maybe help guard LeBron a little bit or something like that. Um, So I I just think if he shows he still has something left, I really think there's something to flip him for. And we've talked about this. I like Jeremy Grant at the four, not the three, and that opens up minutes at the four. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Okay, and now let's, let's go to Alex because I like his notes too on Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Alex, what's your take on Jeremy Grant? Jeremy's an interesting player. Um, he's a tough guy who plays defense really well. Uh, I, I remember watching in the playoffs right now. He was guarding the the, 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 the most the, the best players right on, on the other team. He was guarding Kawhi. He was guarding Luca. He was guarding LeBron James. I mean, he, with his wingspan of seven two, I believe, I mean, it, 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 it's really easy to play defense. Uh, he's athletic as well. He he moves his feet. I mean, I, I remember watching LeBron. He was not going one on one against uh, Grant. He was always calling for a pick, which they had to switch, and then he was attacking. So that can tell you something about you know how good of the, of a defender Grant is. Um, and also, he's shooting really well. I mean, he's getting better and better. The, the last season at Nuggets, he was shooting like forty eight percent field goal and then 35 from three-point range. And then the year before that, he was even better. I think he was better because he had a bigger role as well. He was shooting close to 50% free gold and then 39% from the three. Now coming at us, I believe he's going to have even a bigger role than he had at uh, OKC. And then he's going to have more points, better rebounds, better everything he's gonna he's gonna be a key player for us he's gonna be a key player i love him i love him he's gonna have a great season i think a lot depends on his you know his development as an offensive threat i think defensively there's no question there's no doubt about that i think him and killian hayes they're gonna have to set the tone for us defensively i think that's what we rely on right now i think that my my question right now is you know, and I want to see that. I want, I want to see before I say anything else because I'm a big fan of his too, but has he developed enough to, you know, 
on those type isolation type plays, you know, because I think with that price tag on our squad right now, I think that's what we expect of him. And um, that remains to be seen. I think that's the biggest question mark. Because other than that, I mean, he's he's fabulous. He's he can run the floor. He can rebound very very well for for his position. I know Bryce, you like him at the four. I like him at the three and the four. You know, I think he can play both very well. And I think it just depends on you know who's gonna get more minutes. You know, Sadiq is gonna get more minutes. Is Seku gonna get more minutes at the four? You know, Blake Griffin is gonna be of course in in that in that conversation. So. I think is that it's it's really you know can he lead the offense because I think with this type of roster I mean he's gonna be not counting Blake Griffin he's gonna be him or Killian Hayes I think as as top scorers of this team I guess that's why I like him at the floor for Vlad is because of what you just said in terms of him going and getting his own bucket I don't see him as a great matchup okay. at the three offensively. Or even defensively, because if he's at the three defensively, that dude ain't setting a ball screen and then him able to switch out onto the other team's point or whatever. If he's at the four, he has, I think, a better chance offensively to go get his own bucket. And defensively, now his guy probably is in more screen and rolls. And we want him being the guy that's switching out into screen and roll situations. So I I just, my, I like Jeremy Grant too. For everything both of you guys said, Alex, that's a great point with how 6'8", 7'2", wingspan. But is he able to take that jump offensively? Like I think I saw a stat where it said almost 100% of his threes last year were assisted. He didn't make any threes off the bounce or anything like that. So he's got to expand his game to meet that price tag. I mean, I feel like Hayes is going to get in those stats. That's true. Threes. Uh, if he's either, you know, if he plays on four, he can play pick and pop, or he can play maybe pick and roll with Hayes. I read another, I read a quote about Hayes, or even Hayes said it actually, that he loves to create. If it's scoring, if he takes it to the hoop himself, or if he's passing to somebody, a teammate, he loves to create. And I feel like Grant is gonna be really happy about it. I mean, I get excited about it as a center when I hear that <laughs> coach wants to pass the ball, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, it, those are easy shots. And then also, I agree, he, he can create maybe more shots by driving to the hoop and stuff. Um, but overall, Hayes is going to run the team and create for others, and the others are going to play around of what Hayes does, That's a, my opinion. That's a great point. And, and just real quick on Hayes, what do you think, Vlad? Like, we're talking about expectations for Killian Hayes. It may be we got to temper our expectation in terms of points how many points he's going to score because if he's out there running the show getting 10 assists a game 10 assists a game some fans don't appreciate that um because they want to see the 20 25 points and and all of that so we may have to temper our expectations in terms of that like if he's out there getting eight to ten assists locking people up grabbing five or six rebounds that that's a that's a big time for a rookie as well well i think we should expect more of that you know like Coach Casey said he had three, four blocks in practice. So I think we should expect, you know, some steals, some assists, some rebounds, some blocks. And then he can score too. I don't expect him to average, you know, six points per game. I don't expect him to be John Morant either. I think there has to be a balance for him. And it seems to me that, you know, they surrounded him with enough weapons that he doesn't have to, you know, try to take every shot. He doesn't have to, you know, force a lot of things. 
I think they expect him to kind of just play the pick and roll and see what's there. It's going to be very interesting, you know, the shot clock, you know, with a running shot clock, you know, five, four or five seconds, you know, who's going to get the ISO. And uh, right now, what, from what I've read about Hayes, what I've seen him play in, in Germany, he's very left-handed oriented. I've heard that as well. And yeah. And with that, I really want to get to the Pistons preseason schedule, right? So we go play the Knicks. And then we got a Wizards twice, which is very interesting. I like I like the fact they play the Wizards twice um, because you're gonna have <laughs> you're gonna have him go against Russell, Russell Westbrook. Welcome to the league. Well, welcome to the league. That's that's your moment right there. You see, they're gonna play they're gonna play the Knicks twice, which I think is gonna be a good slow slower start for him. And then you're gonna go play against Russ. And it, you know, Coach K said he's starting at a point, so I assume he's gonna start right against Russ. And what better way? You know, to kind of get acclimated the league, then you go against those, you know, him and Bradley Beal. And that's what also why I love what D. Rose said. You know, my job is to get him ready for that. You know, so it's going to be a lot on D. Rose too. So that Killian is not, you know, starstruck or in awe by, oh, there goes Russ. And that's a different pace of game, you know. D Rose is going to do that in practice, and I hope that for for, for Hayes going to be a an easier transition those games because he has a guy like D Rose. So I, I really like the, that combo. But I keep looking at his roster, and I'm like Josh Jackson, and I can uh, Josh Jackson. It's a it's a big gamble, but it's a gamble that I think we should take as a rebuilding franchise. And Bryce, I know you're a KU fan. And, you know, USV and Josh. So, he can talk <laughs> about this more. But I see a lot of upside. It's, I mean, we guaranteed $9 million over two years, which is fairly a big deal. But we're rebuilding anyways this year, next one. Yeah. I don't see us, you know, just being competitive next year and trying to win a championship. But for Josh, it's a good fit because he can come in and get his stats up and play well. So, he's motivated. You know, and he, I think he's very talented. Yeah, I mean, the talent is there. There's no question about that. And I, I don't know that this was a signing I, like, really paid attention to when it happened. And then the more you talked about it and saw it some, some other places, and then we saw that it was guaranteed for two years, it's like they don't give a dude $5 million a year for two years just to sit on the bench. Like, th- th- this guy's part of the plan. And I've seen a lot of talk about what Coach Casey was able to do with Christian Wood's uh, career last year and a quote along the lines of pretty much told tell these guys like if they don't make it work here then their next job is going to be overseas and <laughs> and so which which is a harsh reality but I mean uh you know Josh Jackson probably doesn't want to have to do that and I think he's excited he's a Detroit kid so he talks about being coming back home you know a lot of people thought he was going to go to Michigan State coming out of high school and Kansas was able to, to steal him away there. But Josh said, you know, it's, it's Coach Casey said on Josh Jackson, clean slate, doesn't matter what happened with previous teams. And like you said, it, it's a great upside signing. And whether he's part of the long-term future or he's one of those guys that puts up good numbers and we're able to flip for other apps, assets, I mean, I guess we'll see. But, yeah, when you're re- rebuilding, why not? Like, these are the guys we should be taking chances on. No, absolutely. I totally agree with that. It was it was it was a gamble. It's my favorite gamble, if you ask me. But now let's talk a little bit 
and uh, we can end this with, you know, really what are the expectations for you guys from this training camp? And what do you see as the best lineup coming out of this, this training camp? Because for me right now, and just, you know, I know today was the first day and we just got the, the media stuff that all of us just read. But I like the lineup with, you know, Killian Hayes at the point. I'm, that's no doubt about it. Then you can go with Josh, Sadiq Bay, Grant, and Stewart. And I like that lineup because, of course, they have a lot of potential it's is the younger lineup, you know, maybe Stewart, you can flip Stewart for Griffin at a five and, you know, be like in, in that range of six, five to six, nine, switch everything, give you a lot of flexibility. But again, in that lineup, though, I still see Griffin as very valuable, you know, because he would be basically your second ball handling. But like after after Hayes, him or Josh or. But still, I think Griffin has proved that he can create his own shot. You know, he can play that point forward position very well. So if you go with a small lineup that I see being played a lot, especially after Coach Casey said, you know, he loves Jay Wright and how Villanova's players are <laughs> NBA ready, which I said it, Bryce. I said it before. You love <laughs> you, you love Jay Wright. What, what about you, Alex? How do you feel about Jay Wright at Villanova? Uh, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Oh, I, got, I got him to watch uh, one of his games in the Final Four. Yeah, he's going for, you know, no. What year was that? What year was that? You remember? Uh, no, I don't remember. It was a while ago. Yeah, that, that was probably uh, the year they beat us, Vlad. <laughs> probably. Bryce. They won. I think they won that year, uh, too. Okay. Oh, no, no. That was later then. Bryce, you can't be salty okay. about it. No, I can't be I mean, salty about it. That was the last time I ever stepped floor on a on a basketball floor. So I will never, I will never, ever not be salty about it. <laughs> no, I, I get it from that standpoint. But I mean, he's he's amazing. He's amazing. He does an yes. amazing job. He's, he develops players. Yes, and that's why I leave, I love that pick with Sadiq Bay a lot. And to me, that this is why I see the lineup coming out. Okay, maybe not right off the first few games, but after, you know, five, ten games, okay, granted, COVID doesn't mess this thing up a lot because I can see, you know, COVID really playing a big, big factor in the season, not just for us as a team, but I think for the whole entire league because you can think of the Lakers. What happens without AD and LeBron? And they have 14 games against some of the top teams in the league, you know. And that's going to mess up the seating. That's going to mess up lottery picks. That's going to mess up a lot of things. So granted, I'm talking as, you know, COVID hopefully would not play a big part of the NBA season. So, so I, I see I see I with Hayes, Josh, Bay, Grant, Stewart, or Griffin at the, at the five. Stewart or Griffin at the five. That's a lineup with a lot of potential, with a lot of minutes in a year that there's no expectations. You know, year two, I think, is going to be more pressure on Hayes, more pressure on Grant. You know, what's Josh doing in this first year? It's it's going to pen, depend, I think, on the type of pressure he's going to have next year. You know, he has a good year scoring the ball, then we're going to have more expectations. And uh, that's why it, it's going to be very interesting because this year I feel like at least these three guys, you know, Hayes, oh, four, Hayes, Josh, Josh Jackson, Bay, and Grant, 
there's not a ton of pressure on them. I think second year of, of, of this rebuilding process is going to be a lot more pressure on them. So I would love them to get as many minutes as possible, you know, get it, get very comfortable leading this offense and see where that takes us. Because, Bryce, we talked about it. You know, the lottery changed. You know, a lot of things changed this year. So I, I would love to see this this young lineup. You know, what, what, what's your call, Bryce? Yeah, Alex, that, so, what's, your, what's your call on the lineup coming out of – okay, not coming out of training camp, but let's say 10 games in. Alex, go ahead. I, I know you wanted to, to get something in there. So you go ahead. I have my lineup, my young lineup I like. But you go ahead real quick, Alex. <laughs> well, obviously you want your young stars to, to develop and um, get experience. And like you, you just said, uh, they're going to play against – or Hayes is going to have a tough competition coming up playing against Westbrook. That's a trial of fire, and I love it. The, the Play against the best players, see where you're at, and then work your way up from there. Um, but, you know, I just want to touch a little bit about the COVID. Uh, I heard this saying a lot of times, uh, even in the league or in, in NBA or in Europe, the, mostly the, the, the best teams in the standings will be the team that will be healthy, right? The most yes. healthy during the season. Yep. Um, and so with this COVID thing, it's an unknown. You don't know. It can happen at any time. It can happen to anybody. So you're just trying to be the best team you can. And then I feel like for Detroit is best to, obviously you want to be the best team you can be. I have a, a great start of the season. Um, but the, the rest of the year might be a transition year just because COVID is here. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, but you want to develop your young stars as, as much as possible. So, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, so guys. that's what I was going to say. Like, so to me... Uh, it's Killian, Jackson, Bay, Grant, and Stewart. Like that's the lineup I really, really like. So you have all three of your your uh, first round picks, and then Josh Jackson, who we just talked about, and Jeremy Grant, who we've talked about. Because there's possible those two guys. They're still relatively young, but can still be in the long term future. And I really like that lineup. You think about that lineup. Killian's the smallest dude at six five. You know, Josh Jackson six 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 seven. Bay 6-8, Grant 6-8. Like, you can definitely switch one through four there. And I don't know about Stewart's ability to switch, you know, where he can switch out to. But that's my favorite lineup right there as well. Yeah, I like that lineup. Like I said, it's, it's my favorite too. But now that you said it out loud, and thinking about Dwayne Casey's time in Toronto, I can see Plumlee at a five. And, you, and, and, and Plumlee's your lineup. boy. Why are you leaving Plumlee off? No, I'm leaving because that's my favorite lineup as far as them developing. You know, you want Stewart to develop, and you know him playing along these rookies that he's gonna he's clearly gonna be together for a while with them. So I like that, but at the same time, I can see Coach Casey giving them the rookies a lot of time, but especially Bay and Hayes, because now the more I think about it, like I said, the Toronto team. Valanciunas was getting a lot of time, even when they drafted uh, Jacob Polo from from Utah. He he was still playing Valanciunas a lot, and I think he's, you know, just by signing him, him and Weaver, you know, they show a lot of faith in him, and they want him to step up for that role. And I think it comes with a lot of minutes. So I don't now now thinking back of it, I think it's going to be Hayes, Josh Jackson, Bay, Grant, and uh, Plumlee. 
but we'll, we'll see we'll see how that develops and uh that's that's who you think is going to start as, as uh, i think about 10 games in i think about 10, 10 games 10 15 games in i think this is going to be the the lineup I can, i can see this this being the lineup i'm a big fan of sadiq bay and um you know i we can compare it to chris middleton we compare it to chris middleton uh in, in the last episode too i said my my piece on that not just coming from Villanova, but being able to play on both sides of the floor, having the potential to be a multi-level scorer, which actually I cannot see a lot of the guys on this team having that potential, you know, to being a multi-level scorer. And it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting. You know, I think that the shooting our position, we like Josh because the gamble, but again, it can very well be DeLon Wright who said the right things. You know, he's he's been wanting to be in Detroit. Coach Casey said he's been wanting to to have Lon on his team for a few years. So that says a lot about that connection right there that was built in Toronto. And uh, there's quite a few options, but this would be my preferred one because it would give Josh Jackson a ton of minutes to and a ton of confidence, you know, to start. And you know, let's see what you can do hey, now. You know, you know what's you're, ex- you're home. This just hit me. You know what's exciting about this team right now, though? We've talked for however long right now. And we haven't, we've barely mentioned Sfi, who shot 40% from three last year. And we haven't even talked about Sekou, who everybody thinks is going to have a huge jump in year two. Like, there has to be some excitement for Detroit Piston fans to, to think about that, about all these guys that are a part of the roster right now. And not all of them are going to pan out. Somebody, one of these draft picks probably isn't going to be as good as we think. And one of the free agent signings will be a dud. But we've talked about a lot of guys that have some real potential to be really good NBA players for this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And, uh, I mean, Zvi is going to play a, a big role because we need shooting. You know, the lineup I mentioned doesn't have yeah. a ton of shooting. Mm-hmm. And you need, you need Zvi on there to, to shoot the ball. Because unfortunately, you know, Killian Hayes, I don't think he's shooting the ball that well from the three-point line yet. Uh, he can develop it. You know, like we said, Grant can be a good spot shooter, and you know, Stewart clearly wouldn't be there yet in, in my lineup. So I guess he's getting a lot of minutes too. And like Coach K, Coach Casey said today, after the first day of training camp, it's that that position, the shooting our position, is going to be a battle. battle. Yep, yeah, it, it is. is. It, that that's up for grabs. I kind of expected though to be Zvizja. Like we said on the last podcast too, I said, you know, I expect that to be Delon Wright's starting spot, but it's gonna be Zvizja's job to lose. But again, we had Josh Jackson. We're thinking more of okay, maybe he's gonna play a small forward. But I can see kind of that trend where he has his spot at the shooting guard more. Because of you know the, the the log jam that's at the small forward now, and yeah. Seku being at the at the three and the four, I think that that that's a lot. And Seku, I think we need to kind of just pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, just because he played basketball for you know what five six years now, six years. He, he, so we have to be a little bit patient. You know, I, I know there's a lot of expectations and there's a lot of flash that comes with Seku and I love the highlight plays and I love the energy I love the athletic ability but I think he needs to make you know quite a few steps to get there he has the potential to to get there you know and Elliot Elliot DeWitt who's part of the video uh the video room with the Pistons he said that you know he's had he had he has the potential to be the next next Siakam 
So that's amazing. That's hopeful for us. You know, that gives a lot of hope. <laughs> and sure. it, it would be amazing, but I don't think he's there yet. Of course, I, I love that he learned, you know, how to take care of his body because I think that was a big transition for him, you know, to be in better shape this year. And he said he was working very hard this offseason, that it was the hardest offseason of his life. And that's very encouraging. It was the longest too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point right there. And th that can be great for a lot of the guys. But I really want to see, you know, I, I want to see them. I'm excited to see them in six days against the Knicks. And just to get a feel for, you know, how are these guys looking, you know? With this huge, huge offseason, was like eight months, nine months, did Okafor make a big jump? You know, did, did he, is he going to pan out to be, okay, oh, he's a bust, he's done, he's that, he's that. Oh, boom. Okafor just bloomed for the Pistons. I mean, you, you never know. I We saw him shooting jumpers in the empty gym, but yeah, we talked about that, Bryce. Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of that stuff is going to be forgotten real quick once these games start, so... Absolutely. Well, guys, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll we'll get together and talk. Hopefully, after those uh, those those two games with the Knicks, get a better feel of uh, what happened in training camp by then, and then also get a better feel of uh, what we look like on the floor after the first two preseason games. Looking I forward to it. Sounds Vlad. good, Vlad. Thank Alex. All right. Thank you. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.